This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. I'm live from Jamaica. Now, hopefully this time, this episode won't get lost because the last time I did an episode in Jamaica, the episode got lost as my laptop went out and never came back on and I never retracted the data from the laptop because I was too lazy and cheap to do it. Even though I've spent more than $200 on several different things that is less important than getting data out of a laptop. I don't know. I, and I could probably get it cheaper to get the data out. I just got to look around and actually try, but that's neither here nor there, man. Let me start off by continuing what I forgot about All-Star Weekend because my last episode was all about NBA All-Star Weekend. So I forgot that Adele and Rich Paul was on that front row of people that were courtside at the All-Star game. They looked great together. I don't know. They they were kind of like Stephen A. Smith. They had their serious faces on and they just they was just worrying about looking good. For the camera or maybe they just wanted to watch the game I don't know But <laughs> they had their serious faces on uh, Drewski was there You can't say he's a D-list celebrity He's kind of in the middle He ain't no A-list celebrity either Jesse Jackson was there People went crazy over him He's definitely A-list Spike Lee was there And was part of the halftime show The Toronto super fan guy with the turban was there uh, The Kembe was there Stephanie Reddy worked so hard. I swear I saw Stephanie Reddy at every event. I, I'm just wondering, did she sleep at all? Because she was at every single event that we were at. Boy, they put her to work. Oh, my goodness. She had to been tired. And she, she looked amazing on All-Star Weekend, by the way. No, on All-Star Sunday. Speaking of looking good, the, the female referees, the two that worked that weekend, uh, Natalie Sago, who's a regular NBA ref, and ah, I forgot the woman's name already, but her name is Claire. Yeah, I forgot her last name already, but she's a G League ref. And I looked at the history behind these women, and they didn't spend too much time in high school. They refed a little bit in college. Then I guess they were good enough to move up to the NBA. I guess that's how it works in officiating. When you're good, they'll move you up fast. If you're not good, they'll they'll just stay away from you. You'll be ignored. So that that makes sense, you know. That's that's kind of how it works in a lot of fields, especially in sports. Roz Gold looked amazing. Chene looked amazing. Monica McNutt. It's good to see her just thriving because I first learned about her on 1067 The Fan. She did an interview and she talked about her rise to ESPN and she just keeps on rising. I see her on everything now. And she was in the middle of All-Star Weekend. It's just good to see her um, doing well. You know what I'm saying? Because she, she went to Georgetown, graduated 2010, so... She was at Georgetown while I was at McNamara. So she's kind of DMV. She kind of looked good as well, by the way. Bill Walton was hilarious. He is even funnier in person. And then the way he took the mic away from Monica McNutt, I kind of found that out later. Man, this dude is a clown. This dude is just not from this planet. He can't be. He is hilarious. Oh, the celebrities, they went all out with their fashion. Some of these folks was wearing the brightest stuff, stuff that had a lot of colors in it, like Taylor Rooks. One day she wore something that was all neon green, and then the next day she wore something that was all orange, and then the next day she wore something that was sparkling gold. I'm like, man, these folks, that was just one person. You should have seen what the MC from Atlanta was wearing, what the MC from Dallas was wearing. Speaking of the MC from Dallas and Atlanta, like, I like how the NBA did that. They brought the entertainment people from different teams. They brought 
DJ from Dallas. They bought the MC from Atlanta, Milwaukee, uh, Orlando, Charlotte. Of course, Cleveland and was in the mix with their DJs and MCs. They bought the um, the Bulls and the Pacers, uh, Dunkers, Trampoline Dunkers. They had the Blazers and the Celtics cheerleaders and dancers. Man, I like how they did. They had the Nuggets PA announcer. He's fire, by the way. Man, I just like how they did that. All-Star Weekend was dope. What's Unsold Jr.? Like, where was he? When they were honoring Wes Unsold, because, you know, he's NBA 75, and they were honoring all the members that had passed away, where was he? Why wasn't he there? Whatever. Uh, It was kind of weird seeing, I guess, Wes Unsold's wife, you know, widow or girlfriend, and not seeing Wes Unsold Jr., that was kind of weird. But, you know, it is what it is. He got recognized, and he's arguably the greatest player in Wizards Bullets history. Okay, he is the best player in Wizards Bullets history. But, you know, it's good to see him get acknowledged on the national stage. I guess uh, one last thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Derricka Hamby and Asia Wilson was everywhere, and no one cared. I'm like, what the heck? They, they're, they're celebrities to me, but I guess no one really paid them any mind because I saw them several times. I saw them first sitting up there with Jared Allen, and I saw them on courtside multiple times. And I'm like, no one's hyping them up. No one's excited to see them. I'm like, what? What? Do y'all know who they are? Asia Wilson? Got a statue in South Carolina? Asia Wilson, one of the best young players in WNBA? Derricka Hamby, her teammate, is a really good fringe starter, six-man type. Come on, man. Y'all slacking, bro. I know it's WNBA, but it's basketball, and it's pretty good basketball. Y'all loafing. Come on now. I just think they should have got more hype than they did. All right, so that's... All right, I probably left some other stuff out too, but that's why I had left over. Uh, let's see, McNamara. Oh, yeah, let's talk about McNamara. So me loafing and procrastinating on putting out another episode gave me enough time to watch McNamara choke. I'm not going to rag on him too much for choking, but honestly, the girls choke more than the boys. No, don't don't get any ideas about that. But seriously, no, they were the number one team in the WCAC. They went undefeated. Now, they did have some close games. They didn't, like, blow everybody out. They did have some close games. They were the number 23 team in the country. They have a girl that's number 50 in the country uh, overall as a player. She's going to Texas A&M, Gia Cook. They had all this firepower. And... They just got completely outclassed by St. John's, a team they had blown out already. I guess what really hurt them was their lack of size. They couldn't get a rebound. They got out-rebounded by 20. And then also what was frustrating about their offense, them settling for shots against that zone. With all those talented players that could slash and go to the rim, I mean, we're just settling for shots. Or maybe that's their game. I don't know. That was the first game I'd seen all season. So maybe that's their game. Maybe they got that far doing that, but it didn't work. And honestly, it, they were in it until the fourth quarter, and then St. John's just started raining threes, and it was just a wrap. It was nothing they could do. It's just a sad ending for ending for a team that had such a great season. And they were the defending champs, and they were – Prime to run it back and go back to back with it. But, you know, um, McNamara basketball will be all right. They've been good since I was there. They When I was there, before I was there, they were good. So McNamara girls basketball program is pretty good. They'll be fine. Um, but pretty disappointing loss, to say the least. If you don't know by now, McNamara is my high school, my alma mater, uh, I know I kind of fade 
in this going to the reunions. Yeah, I, I faded the 10-year reunion. I don't plan to go to the 15th or the 20th or any other reunion. But other than that, you know, there's still some pride there. So that's why when the boys beat the matha, I was excited. And boy, I was walking with a pep in my step. I was smiling. I was laughing. I was loving it. I was truly inspired by these young men. Um, they, they really played their hearts out. I can't even say they choked. Because, you know, they did lose in the championship. But the fact that they got so far, I'm just really, really proud of them. And um, how their team is built is, is pretty amazing because how they do it is, see, they got this 6'11 center named Favor R.A. He's 6'11. He's going to Miami. He's playing for Jim Laranega. Remember that name now, Favor R.A., because you're going to see him again. Now, this is the best team they've had since 09, which was a somewhat similar team, but that team was a little bit longer. They had bigger guards. They were more of a well-balanced team. I mean, I, to say the least. And they, but they had the same thing. They had a center that was going D one, and they had a bunch of pretty good, you know, guards. But they had some tall forwards too, and they had Brandon Coleman, who was like six five. That was my teammate who went to the NFL. They they were a bigger, longer team, but but they didn't go to the championship like these guys. These guys, they got a 6'11 center, and everyone else, I'm not kidding you, is sm- shorter than 6'4. They have a, a guy who's 6'3, a guy who's 6'4, I think a guy who's 6'2. Everyone else is six feet or smaller. And they are killing people. They be killing people because their guards are so quick and they're fearless. It's Quigley. Number three, and Jaron Curtis, number four. Quigley, I swear to God, he's like 5'11. Jaron Curtis is six feet. And Jaron Curtis is just a freshman. He's coming back. He's going to be a force. He was first team all WCAC, and I see why. And he's coming back? Oh, boy. We're going to be fine. All we got to do is find another center. It would be McNamara, will be fine. But, you know, the guards are fearless. Both sides of the ball, they pressure you on defense. And then on offense, you cannot stop them from getting to the rim. And the other guards like Somerville and um, I think I got it down here. Like like Somerville and Chase Lawton. Chase Lawton is more like a forward. These guys can shoot. So, I mean, so if you think you're going to, like, double and triple team favor already, you got those guys to deal with. And that's what made them so dangerous because you can't just key in on favor already. And favor already is, to me, the real deal. Now, he's a three-star. So, with the right coaching and development, I think this guy can go to the NBA. But he's going to have to develop a jump shot. He's going to have to get better at, at – shooting he's gonna have to just get bigger and stronger down low but he already got the post moves he his footwork is amazing uh defensively he's okay defensively I mean I I'm kind of beside myself that you know the two biggest buckets of the game was against Paul Six was um People going at his chest and making layups. The game-winning shot involved Paul Six, who have two freshmen that played big roles on their team. Um, one of them went straight up into um, Favor Ari's chest and threw up a shot that hit the backboard and went in and pretty much ran out of time. I'm like, man, go ahead, bro. I thought that shot was lucky. Because he, there's no way. He just threw that up. It hit like the top of the, the square in the backboard, and it went in. I'm like, are you kidding me? McNamara lost 54-53. It was a very hard-fought game in a championship against Paul Six. Um, Paul Six 
their their best player, Doug McDaniels, going to Michigan. So you're gonna hear that name again. They got another shooting guard. They got a big shooting guard that's six five. He's a junior. I don't know where he's going. I hope he goes to Georgetown to Sean Harris Smith. He really showed up at the end of that game. And they got two freshmen. Womack, the one that who's six six, by the way, he's gonna grow. He hit the game winning shot. And you got Christian Gerdak, who's six nine, and he's just beefy. He could be another what's the what's the kid's name that's at Michigan already? The guy that played for the Mather. That guy. Like, he could be another one of those. And he's just a freshman. I don't know where they'd be finding these guys. Cause this is crazy. But 54-53. No, it's 53-52 with like seven seconds to go. I think it was 13 seconds to go. McNamara first is a turnover and then a timeout or something. Paul Six comes out the timeout. They trap Doug McDaniel. They pass it around. McNamara doing a good job of trapping. The ball gets to Womack, the 6'6 freshman who's like a forward. And he and he kind of he challenges Favor Ray, and he throws up some shot off the backboard, and it goes in. I'm like, man, go ahead. It wasn't even it wasn't even a straight shot off the bat. It was luck, bro. To me it was. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And you can't even play better defense than that. Favor Ray had his arms up. But man, I I can't I can't really be mad at those guys, man. They really played their heart out. The ball didn't bounce their way at the end. I just wish they had that one. And then to add injury to insult, when I was flying to Jamaica, I guess the first leg of this flight, I had to go to Orlando. Why, why the person in front of me was in Paul Six basketball gear? I didn't say anything. I kind of said something, but kind of under my breath. But I was like, come on. Y'all just stole one from us, and you out here boarding a plane to Orlando? Man, get out of here, bro. You probably going to Disney World or something, man. Can't believe y'all stole that from us, bro. But, yeah, man, watch out for all those people I just mentioned. Yeah, man. Like, it was a hell of a game. I'm still glad that McNamara beat the Matha. We had lost 12 straight to them. And when I was in school, we didn't beat them at all. I mean, we may have beat them one time. No, even our best team in 09 lost to them three times. Competitive games, but it's hard to beat a team with four NBA players. And that the Matha team this year, they got a guy going to Virginia Tech. They got a guy going to Xavier, Tyrell Ward, who's pretty good. That's another name you you might want to remember. And a bunch of other people on that team who's probably pretty good that you're going to hear about later, but those two are the ones. And, you know, McNamara beat them and took it to them. The, the Matha was a much longer team, taller, longer team, but McNamara was too quick. Wait, the guards were way too quick, way too fast. And Favor R.A. just did what he does best. And that's how he beat the Matha. But I'm I'm proud, you know, of both teams, even though, you know, the girls are a little more disappointing than, than the boys. But, you know, they got that far and they did their thing all season. Okay, I never gave my thoughts on the Super Bowl because I give I gave the preview when I was in Kansas City. So this is what happened after all that. So I go to the Super Bowl party hosted by my cousin's in-laws. My cousin Fadal, who's not really a sports fan. I mean, he was the only, I was the closest person to him other than his wife. His wife wasn't even there the entire game. She was out running around. But, you know, we talked a lot about non-sports stuff because he's just not really into it. It's, it's okay. You can't make anyone do it. But I just, no one, nothing was ready. No food was ready until halftime. It blew me. But when the food was ready, we in Kansas City. That homemade barbecue was hitting. The chicken, the ribs, hitting. These apple fritters sent me to heaven. I said it sent me to heaven. Everybody was hyped for the halftime show. I swear, like, me and, like, maybe three other people cared about the game. But, oh, my God. All the women in the house were 
going crazy over the halftime show. I mean, I already told you who was in it. You know, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, uh, Mary J, Snoop, Dr. Dre. They were all amazing. That was one of the best halftime shows I've ever seen. I still don't think it beat Beyonce and um, Bruno Mars. I don't think it beat Beyonce by herself. But it, it comes in third. It was pretty freaking good. Now to the game. I tried to focus on the game. And I did a pretty good job on focusing on the game. I think um, the turning point was, no, this wasn't the turning point because the game was still in the balance. But seeing Aaron Donald push Joe Burrow out of bounds and he got mad, oh, man. They made him mad after that, and he turned up. He turned up. He, He definitely showed up. And we knew, we all knew that was going to be a problem because we had seen the Bengals give up nine sacks earlier in the pro season. So we knew blocking Aaron Donald was going to be a problem, and it was. But, man, I feel so bad for Odell Beckham Jr. because it looked like he was going to go off. Because he had, he had like three catches, and he had a touchdown. They could not cover him. That was kind of a mini turning point. The play calling by the Bengals in third and fourth and short were head-scratching. At the beginning of the game, that first drive where they were like in midfield, and they turn the ball over on downs. I'm like, this play calling is awful. And then they did the same thing when the game was on the line, 20 to 16. No, it was 23-20. Game was on the line. All you need is field goal. Piss down your leg, like Mr. Go 30 says on Twitter. For real. Aaron Donald could have been the MVP. He really took over in the fourth quarter. I I would have been cool with him being MVP, but they gave it to Stafford. He did throw three touchdowns, including the game winner. No, they gave it to Cooper Cup. Well-deserved because he caught the game-winning touchdown. I don't even have his stats. I'm about to look it up right now while I'm doing this show. I mean, this guy was incredible all season, and he had a season – like 2007 Randy Moss type of season. And it is unbelievable the type of stuff that uh, Cooper Cup and um, Matthew Stafford did. See, this guy is unreal. I'm just looking at his game logs, and it's like, okay, versus Arizona, 5 for 61 in touchdowns. Versus Tampa Bay, 9 for 183 in a touchdown. Against San Francisco, 11 for 142 and two touchdowns. In the Super Bowl, 8 for 92 and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Okay, yeah, the refs calling pass interference and holding at the end when they weren't really calling it all game. And they missed an egregious face mask penalty on T. Higgins. Yeah, that was that was a little, you know odd because they had been calling it different all game and then they decide to start calling it on the Bengals at the end that was a little questionable they exploited the mismatches and boy people came for Eli Apple because you know when you put that energy out there going at all your haters on Twitter after your uh you know divisional and conference championship wins you know, when you lose and fall on your face in the Super Bowl, it's going to come right back at you. I just laughed. I, I didn't take part in it. I'm kind of a simp for Annie Apple. That doesn't help either. And then, I, besides, same thing. I don't want that energy coming back on me either. You know, I'm you know I'm just keep it classy. I don't really have a reason to make fun of Eli Apple. Like, he just... They made it this far. They made it that far. But the jokes were funny. Like, people were really coming back and clapping back hard on Eli Apple, and it was hilarious. But, man, I enjoyed the Super Bowl. It was very competitive, came down to the end, and I was able to focus on enough to be satisfied, even though there were a ton of distractions at the in-law's house in Kansas City. 
You talking about food, family, all that. Tons of distractions. Little 12-year-old kids that just say anything out their mouth. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> hey, yo, let me stop, bro. Let me stop. It was a great game, and I'm glad I finally was able to get my thoughts on it. Uh, my favorite thing to do after the Super Bowl was to guess who the Super Bowl champs are going to play opening weekend uh, or that Thursday because you know the Super Bowl champ opens the season every year. Um, I think last year it was Bucks cowboys and I was hoping for a Bucks chiefs rematch. Was it Bucks chiefs? I was looking for, it was something. I don't know what I guessed last year, but it, I was hoping for Bucks Patriots. That's what I really wanted, but it didn't happen that way. That's fine. I was looking, so I went and looked at the Rams future opponents. So this is what I came up with. So obviously the divisional opponents in play, you can do you can do any of them. Seattle, Russell Wilson, you know that's always going to be a, a good draw. San Francisco might as well. There's history there. They just beat them to get to the Super Bowl, and you know the 49ers had owned them up to that point. Why not? Why not run run the NFC Championship back on opening night? That'd be great. Uh, the Cardinals, Car- uh, Murray and all that drama. I assume he's going to be back. So, you know, put him on the big stage against the Rams. That'd be nice. Uh, The Cowboys, I don't want to see that again because we saw that two years ago on Sunday night. It was a good game, but once again, the Cowboys lost like they always do. So, (laughs) they choke like they always do. I ain't trying to see that again. The best thing, there's, there's a bunch of other games too. The best thing, Rams and Bills, a potential Super Bowl preview. A potential Super Bowl preview? Rams and Bills? Come on, man. We got to make that happen. Stop playing around. Let's make that happen. We'll see, man. We'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I trust the NFL because I never get the matchup I want in these things. I mean... They just, they be loafing, bro. All right, let's get to some D.C. sports. The Washington Lizards. Guys, I don't know, man. Maybe I should be a little bit encouraged because they came out the all-star break, and they're not playing all that bad. They should have beat the Spurs, but, you know, you missed a shot here and there. You didn't play defense all night. DeJounte Murray had a triple-double. I mean, you had three guys damn near score 30. I mean, and then you have a guy with 23 off the bench. What's that about? But, you know, we had that game. And that's a pretty solid team. Okay, they're 24 and 36. But, you know, they're a solid team. They're they're nothing to, you know, look past. We had them. And we let it slip away. Then we turn around, play Cleveland. This was a game I was supposed to be at. And this is the complete opposite of that game. Very low scoring. Hard to watch. I was mostly listening to it on the radio, but I saw the highlights. And I'm like, how do we not win that game? We were in control most of the first half. A majority of the fourth quarter. This is what really gets me right here. The fourth quarter. Because it is 84-75 with five-something minutes to go. And then they only scored two points after that. Game over. Two points. Wow. Props to Kuzma for pretty much carrying us that game. He had 34-13. and This guy has been a godsend. See, that's the most encouraging part about all this. But back to that game, two points in the last 550 of that game. We got cooked by Seti Osman and Lori Marketing. Lori Marketing hasn't really played all season. Hasn't really done anything all season. This man has 23 and 6. 6 of 9 from 3. 
Evan Mobley, for okay, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen getting double-doubles, that's fine. I expect that. Sadie Osman getting 19 off the bench? You have got to be kidding me. You can't be serious. These guys didn't shoot well. I knew something was wrong when the Wizards only had a one-point lead in the third quarter and the Cavs were shooting awfully. This is ridiculous. That's ridiculous, man. The fact that three other people scored double digits outside of Kuzma is just ridiculous. I mean, come on. How Neto, two for ten, really? He'd been ball he's been balling lately, but two for ten? Boy. Ish Smith, two for ten. Denny Avia, 0 for 4, 0 points, 23 minutes. Bruh. They're gonna make me leave the set, bruh. We we supposed to have that game. Cleveland didn't play their best at all. And they don't and, and here's the kicker. They didn't have Garrett Darius Garland. Okoro didn't play well. And they didn't have Darius Garland. And they still don't have Colin Sexton. And we lost. How? That, God dang it. Man, Washington Lizards, man. But like I said, the encouraging part is is that Kuzma's playing well and he's coming into his own. I'm not sure what he was doing against Brooklyn where he only scored five points, but we won anyway because Brooklyn was pretty much playing their G League team. But that was a while ago. We beat the Pistons, thank God. Swept the Pistons this year, thank God. Gotta beat them. They're not that good, but they're on the way. That's another thing about All-Star Weekend. I like what I saw from Kay Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, and I was kind of introduced to Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is really good. Like, he's a kind of thick, build, stretch forward type of player, and he's he's really good. They got a they got a core with those three. You better look out for that team. We may be beating up on them now, but they're going to be very hard to beat within the next coming years. So yeah, it's good to get those wins up off them right now while they're not that good. Um, Wizards got the Hawks coming up, and man, oh man. Oh, and by the way, the Wizards had a double-digit lead versus the Pistons in that game, too, and they lost that lead. Um, Almost choked that one away, too, but hey, they came through. They came through, man. Oh, and by the way, watching our centers catch lobs all the time and, and dunk, just so fun to watch. And and Daniel Gafford dunks on somebody like every game, and I love it. <laughs> he be destroying people, bro. More of that, please. But, yeah, I, I can't see us beating the Hawks, even at home, and even though the Hawks aren't as good as they were last year. And you got Ice Trey, who he got his ankle kind of rolled up on, got stepped on by Marcus Smart. Oklahoma State, man, they annoying. But I'm about to talk about them in a little bit. Um, that's going to be a tough game to win. I don't know if we can win that one. But Washington Lizards, I'm just excited for next year. Porzingis still isn't playing, but we're a year away. We're going to have Bill, Porzingis, and Kuzma. You see how Kuzma's playing now. Wait till next year. Oh, it's over. It's over. And we can and we can run it. We can keep the same center and point guard, and we can run it like that, and we'll be fine. I'm telling you, this team is a year away. But if we somehow sneak into the play-in, that would be great, especially if poor Zingas balls out. Y'all in trouble. We might sneak into the actual playoffs. Doesn't do anything for our draft stock. But but then again, you saw how I hyped up those G League players who are mid-first-round picks. We might get one of them, and y'all going to be in trouble. Because we get Dyson Daniels or we get Jaden Hardy. Don't let us get any one of them guys because it's over. It's over. Not going to stop. We going back to the playoffs. We going to be top six, all that. Just watch. Anyway, the caps are all cap. I know I keep saying this, but they all cap, bro. But Or are they? Maybe they're not all cap. Maybe it's no cap at all because they just stick into the cap cycle. I know I keep saying this, but it's just it's just right on cue. It's just right on cue. 
They start off strong. They slump in January and February. Then March and April, they pick it up. They get home ice, the top seed. Then they lose in the first or second round. It's like clockwork. And it's coming right in the form. You know, I was getting a little happy. I was getting a little encouraged. They had won two games. Then they had a week off uh, heading into the uh, Rangers game. And then they got blasted by the Rangers. Apparently, the Rangers got a really good goalkeeper. So it's, And they were at home. I mean, it's not much you can do about that. But, you know, you can not give up goals. That would help, too. But uh, 4-1 got smoked. And then... Uh, Lost a heartbreaker after that to the Flyers. Yeah, that was nonsense. Uh, we got down to the Maple Leafs. Now, this was a funny game because I finally decided to give them a chance. I was like, you know what? I'm in the house early. I'm not doing nothing. You know, I got the McNamara game on in the background. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give them a chance. It's 1-1. One, one. Okay. Okay. 1-0. Then we tied up. I was like, okay. I blink. I look down. I look up. Before you know it, it's 3-1, end of the first. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I can't take this no more. So I stopped watching. Then they battle back. They've done this several times. Get down early and then battle back. And they tied up 3-3. Okay, I turn it back on. I'm like, okay, okay. Maybe we can get this one. Maybe we can go overtime. I watched them give up that fourth goal, and it just it wasn't looking good up to that point. Like it seemed like uh, the Maple Leafs were were getting their shots in in that possession, and it was only a matter of time before a scramble happens and someone pokes it into the net, and that's exactly what happened. And then of course it got that BS empty netter that happens in like every hockey game, and they won five three. Um, Caps All cap right now They lost three in a row But this is what they do in the middle of the season This is what they do Um, They'll get it together because they always do Hopefully they, they'll get healthy They'll win a bunch of games They got TJ Oshie back They'll win a bunch of games Then You know Probably got to play I don't know Pittsburgh or Carolina in the first round. It's going to be a wrap. Now, something you got to look out for. Uh, these guys on 106.7 The Fan, uh, they said if the Capitals and the Penguins keep playing bad, the Blue Jackets can catch them because they starting to kind of come into form. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, if it does, that means the Capitals slump is worse than I thought, and it's the cycle is not really the cycle. It's this is an actual problem. Like we're not that good. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, uh, as it stands now, the Capitals are. What the heck? I'm looking at the wrong thing. The Capitals are still eight points ahead of the Blue Jackets. Oh, like a week and a half ago, it was something ridiculous, like 15. Now it's like eight. All right, whatever. The The Rangers, Penguins, and the Hurricanes are really running away from the Capitals, and the Blue Jackets are catching up. Not good. Not good. And the Blue Jackets got the same number of wins. Oh, God. All right. All right, just got just to gotta watch out for them. They're kind of lurking in the background. Uh, just hope they don't catch us. <laughs> Man, let's get to these Washington Commanders. Okay. The QB hysteria is ridiculous and it's hilarious. Every day on 1067 the fan and even Twitter, they talk about possibly getting Russell Wilson. They freaking analyze a 20-second clip of Russell Wilson saying, you know, he got his Richmond friends and family trying to get him to play on the East Coast, especially for the commanders. And, you know, Richmond ain't even that far from Ashburn, to be honest. So he kind of would be kind of coming back home. And then, of course, bouncing trade scenarios about Deshaun Watson and dreaming about getting Aaron Rodgers. And their latest thing is 
trying to make sense of getting Mitch Trubisky. That's where they're at right now. Trying to come around to the idea of having Mitch Trubisky start for them. Or having Mitch Trubisky start for a year or two, have Taylor Heineke back up, or have Taylor Heineke as a third string, and you draft a QB to back up Trubisky. I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. They are desperate for a quarterback. You're not, I don't think they're just a quarterback away. Y'all think y'all are. I don't think so. And you're going to find out the hard way. You're not getting Russ Wilson. You're not getting Deshaun Watson. And if you get one of these middle tier quarterbacks, it won't matter. You're going to be 7-10 again at best. So stop with the QB hysteria. I ain't trying to hear it. And then another thing is the update on the stadium is gaining more momentum. I, I knew when they first started talking about it that this thing is possibly going to go out in Virginia. There are talks that it could be in Dumfries, Woodbridge, or in Sterling near the um, near Dulles Airport. Those are all terrible options for me as a D.C. guy because all those places are like an hour away. And the day they announced those plans to possibly be in Virginia, I was riding around in that area that they are going to put it, potentially put it in, in Woodbridge and Dumfries. And I'm like, no, no, it's too much traffic out here. I can't do this, man. I was like, ain't, ain't not much. It's not much going on out here other than shopping, construction, and traffic. I'm like, no, it's too far. And then all that stuff I just mentioned. You know, I'm starting to warm up to the idea of putting it in Sterling. But honestly, it doesn't matter if the team isn't winning. But also, I think I'd bring myself out there anyway out of curiosity. And also rumors that they're going to put a retractable roof on there which means they're planning to host other events and that would attract people like me to bring my tail all the way out there even though as far as a mug i wouldn't mind i would rather be in sterling because the metro the airport and it's a better area to be honest i would love to see what all comes with this stadium it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be nice well, as long as the Eagles come there and handle business every year, they come there. That That's what really matters to me. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, if they're going to put it out there, the stadium better be nice. It better be amazing. That's that's all I'm going to say. But I, I see there's, there's traction gaining for putting it out in Virginia. It looks like Maryland's falling behind. They're trying to leave it at FedEx Field, which means they got to – demolish the FedEx field, the current FedEx field, which means the Redskins or commanders have to find a temporary home while they rebuild that. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know where they're going to play these games. That would be interesting if they decide to go with that. And in DC, I don't know, like, oh, and they could put it in the Harbor. That, that would be amazing. The casino right there. All the stuff that goes on at the harbor with all the shopping and the hotel, like that'd be great. The traffic would be insane, but it would be great. DC, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, you put it at RFK, that'd be perfect for everyone, and that would be the closest to me. That's really close to me. So that's like less than 10 minutes for me. So I would love that. So and it will be nostalgia for, you know, old school Redskins fans. Yeah, that's going to be a long shot. It's probably going to be in Virginia. We're going to we're going to be against it at first, like a lot of people are. But if they start winning and if the stadium is really like that, no one's going to care over time. So I'm just saying, you know, Washington sitcom, Washington Commanders, Washington Commodores. 
you know, probably working on a new album or something. Another one. They just keep doing them. And, you know, I'm in the area, so I got to deal with it. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> oh, and the NFL draft might come to D.C. I don't know where would they put it. I don't know if they would just set up everything because there's a lot of, like, real estate around the FedEx field parking lot. So you could definitely put everything there. You can put it at National Harbor. That would be dope. Uh, where else? You know, you could put it on the mall. That would be really fire. I don't know what type of hoops they would have to jump to put the draft on the mall, but that would be fire. In between the Capitol and the, and the monument, that would be nice. I don't know. Just would love for the NFL draft to come to D.C., but if it goes to Detroit or Green Bay, it is what it is. I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> All right, man. Some quick takes. All right, man. OU men's basketball and women's basketball. Okay, OU men's, they beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Thank God. Two of the, you know, lesser teams in the conference. We had to get our rivals back. We had to sit them down for a little bit. We had to, you know, they, they start talking reckless after beating us in Stillwater. Now we had to sit them down. Um, beat them, thank God we humbled them. Beat West Virginia because Tanner Groves went beast mode. He went sicko mode. No Travis Scott. <laughs> Those last two wins gives me some encouragement. Because they played their way outside of the bubble with two horrible showings against Texas Tech and Iowa State. So now they got a pesky Kansas State coming up. If they can beat them, they're on the right track. They'll play themselves back into the bubble. Then with two Big 12 wins in the tournament, with, with two tournament wins, I think they have a compelling case to get into the tournament, at least in a playing game. But they got to beat Kansas State. They got to win two games in the tournament. They do that, they in for sure. I put money on it. They don't, they go one and two, or they go, uh, oh, God forbid, 0 oh for two. They're out. They don't mean an IT. And this sucks. No Elijah Harkless still. Won't have him for the rest of the season. But I hear he's coming back next season. That's fire. We get Tanner Groves back. And who knows what type of freshman and transfers we're going to get as well. I mean, we can be all right, and we got Porter, and we got Porter Moser coaching. We'll be fine, but this year there's still hope to get into the tournament. But you know they gotta they gotta ball out. They gotta score some points because even in these games they won, they struggled to score. Oklahoma State they only scored sixty six. I think against West Virginia they scored seventy something. Um but still, like halfway through the second half, they were in the low 60s. So I'm like, you know, we, we got to get this offense together. Or just play some amazing defense. Whichever way you want to do it, that would be great. Um, the women, the women, they got revenge on Kansas State with a sick buzzer beater by Taylor Robertson. And I, you know. I love her game. I love the way she shoots. I swear I got to take lessons from her. I think she's one of those like 90, 40, 30 type. I don't know what what you call that. The real, the real shooting, the real good shooting stat line. I don't know. She's a heck of a shooter. And I'm glad they got revenge on Kansas State. I said we were going to get revenge on them. They did. They got embarrassed by them at Kansas State. And Aoka Lee scored 60. She ain't scored near 60 this time. And um, she did. She still did her thing, but they ain't scored near 60. And OU won the game. So, you know, um, they're projected to be a fourth seed. They were a three seed, but they moved down a seed because, you know, they started losing games a little bit. Um, yeah. They're going to be fine. They're, they're definitely on track to host in the first weekend. 
And that's important in the women's game. You get the top four seed, you get the host. The first two games of the tournament. I think they might be a three seed too. I'm just glad that Iowa keeps winning because they're moving up into the fourth and fifth line seed. And, you know, we don't have to play them. They're going to host their own regional probably because they've, they're not going to lose many games until the tournament because they're on a roll. Caitlin Clark is like the best player in the country. And they just, they're like OU. They're pretty much, they play like OU, you know. They got a really good shooter leading the the charge, and they're a really potent offensive team. They don't play any defense, um, but yet somehow still play better defense than OU. But that's neither here nor there. Proud of the OU women. They've had a great season, and it looks like they're a lock for the tournament and a lock to host a regional. Uh, host um, a regional. So I, I love it. Oh, softball is destroying everybody. They're still undefeated. But they starting to get pushed a little bit. Uh, Tennessee took them to nine innings. They only beat Utah 2-1. Jordy Ball had another, like, 15 strikeouts, even against Tennessee. I'm like, this girl is unreal, and this is just a freshman. We just better be glad she can't just go straight to the league. Because this is ridiculous. She is destroying. She she give up she gives up her runs, but fifteen strikeouts, multiple double digit strikeout games, bro. This girl is unreal, bro. You you gotta be kidding me, man. What? Uh, MLB still loafing on negotiations, but that's fine because I got the KBO, <laughs> the KBO. I'm about to bring it back. And their season starts March 11th. It starts really soon. I'm about to put MLB in the back burner because they front. And they canceled opening weekend. All right, bro. Roll up out of here, son. Get up out of here, son. Like, I don't I don't need to be dealing with that. I really wanted to see Mets and Nationals because that, that's what was opening the season. Max Scherzer versus the Nationals? Jacob DeGrom versus the Nationals? Of course I wanted to see that. But we don't get to see that because of these negotiations. I don't know what they're doing over there, but it ain't working. And some of the stuff they're arguing over, I'm like, y'all can't compromise over this stuff? I mean, I think the owners are being greedy, but that's just me. That's just me. Definitely on the side of the players. But, you know, the discussions on Twitter over this are top-notch. I, I love reading them. Just, it's very entertaining. <laughs> uh, let's see, Jawan Howard, I never talked about that. Yeah, what, what was he thinking? He lost his mind. He hit Joe Krabinoff. I I must have looked at this video like 30 times. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. He mushed this dude. And I guess I learned about Joe Krabinoff. Apparently, he played at Wisconsin in the late 2000s. And he was on some good uh, Bo Ryan teams. You know, he was, a, he was a starter, but, you know, he was pretty much a role player. But... You know, yeah, Jawan Howard's wrong. He got mad because Greg Gard called the timeout after he was pressing down 15 with the shot clock off. I don't, like, why would you press? Just back off. Let's go home. But then again, I I know how some folks are. They play to the the clock at zero. Some people are like that. But you can't get mad at him calling the timeout. And then he mushed the assistant coach. I think I kind of understand his rationale. He had to mush the assistant, the assistant coach because it looked like he was attacking some of his players and he was defending his players. And then he was already mad about the timeout thing and then Greg Gard touched him and then that. But here's the thing, though. I got to be fair. I saw some videos of Greg Gard's interactions 
with Jawan Howard before that game, and there was a lot of touching going on. But in that situation, he touched them like he usually do, just as a sign of endearment, and I think that's how he communicates sometimes. But he touched them while he was mad, and that set Jawan Howard off. He still shouldn't have mushed Joe Crabbin off, man. Like, I don't think he was, he probably said something that no one has, like, repeated yet. I think it was just a simple fact that he was, you know, in the fray kind of, you know, pushing around players and stuff. I don't know. It was it was crazy. You know, Juwan Howard got the deserved punishment. And it just opened up some old wounds because, you know, how the Fab Five were treated back in the day. And it's just the same type of, you know, uh, racial undertones. In response, I mean, yeah, Jamal Howard was wrong, but, you know, we don't want to have to go that far. You know, you won't got called him a thug or any of that. Just, let's just not go that far. You know, that's that's what that situation kind of brought up. You know, people who were alive back in the day or even looked at simply looked at the documentary, you know, just brought that back up, you know. It's just it's just a shame all around. He'll come back. I don't know if Michigan is going to make the tournament or not. I think they will somehow. But it doesn't matter. Like, they'll be better next year, especially with Doug McDaniel coming in. So that's what I'm looking forward to for real. Uh, the Lakers, yeah, they lost to the Clippers. They, cl- they choked against the Clippers. Then... They lost to uh, – they got blown out by the Pelicans where they didn't even show up, and you had Lakers fans just full meltdown mode. And then after that, they lost to the Mavericks by five because, you know, they couldn't go out like that. Um, they had some pride, but they still lost. So they're on a losing streak. And, you know, it's just a lot of talk about the Lakers because they got LeBron and they got Westbrook. And it's just – Man, blame is going all over the place. And then the rumors about LeBron leaving, it's just its just too much. This team just, just isn't that good. Everyone knows that they're a first-round exit waiting to happen. And we should just stop all the shenanigans for ratings. But that's just the name of the game. I'm just going to have to deal with it. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, the Nets, yeah, we're still waiting for Ben Simmons to start playing. But... They're kind of getting it together. They had a big win against Boston. No, not Boston, Milwaukee, where Kyrie just was Kyrie, and he was just spectacular. He's a pretty good player, but, you know, uh, New York is starting to lift some mandates, mask and vaccine, but Kyrie still can't play, but he can watch the game from courtside. It doesn't make sense. Kind of like the NBA All-Star vaccine mandate didn't make sense um it it just doesn't make sense i mean i I get it you're trying to protect as many new yorkers as you can but that policy just doesn't make sense um i think he's gonna end up playing especially if cases continue to drop restrictions will be lifted and then he's going to eventually going to end up playing. I think they'll settle this and get him on the court by April. And if you have him, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant, they have a real chance to do something in the playoffs. Because I'm not 100% confident in the Heat and the Bulls and even Cleveland. But, you know, the Bucks are still lurking, but I kind of got a feeling they're kind of underachieving. You know, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's a soap opera over there. But, you know, I, I think they'll be fine once they get everyone back. Uh, the Sixers, they got James Harden. He's playing. And it looks like just all cheers, like all happy times and cheers over there in Philly for now. Now, let them choke in the playoffs. Let's see what happens then. I still think it's going to be a lot of optimism because you get all those guys back and Tyrese Maxey is young and he's playing well and you still have Tobias Harris. So 
I think Philly Sixers fans, I think Philadelphia Sixers fans are going to be really patient with them this year, this season, and they love what they're seeing right now. They're very excited. They look like kids on Christmas, and uh, I'm happy for them. You know, maybe it'll turn into something. But if they choke again, I mean, I, I'm i just going to shake my head. But, you know, I guess you just – next year is the year, though. Next year is the year for them for sure. Like, if you don't get it this done this year, better get it done next year. And then after that, it's, it's – I want to see how they react. If they choke this year or next year, I want to see how – Sixers fans react then. Uh, okay, Paige Beckers is back for UConn. She's an amazing player. She's on a minute restriction. I think by the tournament, she'll be full go, and that's going to make the NCAA tournament very interesting. Still the same teams in play, Stanford, South Carolina, Baylor. Same teams. NC State, Louisville. You know, it's just who's going to come out of that? Who's going to come out of that? I really want to say South Carolina because they're the most balanced team. But I don't know. You know, we're just going to have to see. Finally, uh, Misha Tate won Big Brother Celebrity, Celebrity Big Brother, and it wasn't even close. She dominated. Half of them didn't know what they were doing. She identified her biggest threat, Shayna, very early and got her out the way and was able to manipulate her two best allies and next biggest threats to join her side against Shayna and got her out the way. And then she just steamrolled from there. It's like, man, what I learned from that was, well, she won a lot of comps. So being physically, mentally, and emotionally smart, no, being physically, mentally, and emotionally strong can get you far in life it it can help you with a lot of things in life whether it's big brother whether it's you know i don't know networking whether it's your overall health whether it's being successful in business being physically mentally emotionally strong being just just well balanced of a person is just it's gonna get you very far And also, just, you know, how when you win things, you got to dominate. You got to dominate. You got to go 10x. You know, I don't want to compete. I want to dominate. And she straight up dominated. So, I mean, that's so her her win was very inspiring. And hopefully I can apply that. To my life, but you know it's hard because I'm just stuck in the same loop that I'm always in. But you know, maybe I can see the light. Maybe I can remember that and use this motivation to do my own thing. All right, man. Now it's time for a quick hypothetical game of the episode. This hypothetical game of the episode is Jawan Howard versus Joe Krabenhoff, their college teams. I got the 92-93 Michigan Wolverines versus the 07-08 Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I think Michigan was like 31-5 and Wisconsin was like 29-4. Both teams were really good. Uh, neither team won the title. But I think Michigan went further. I think, yes, that was the Wisconsin team that lost to Steph Curry in the Sweet 16. Steph Curry killed them. And looking back on it, you know, I was kind of salty about it because Davidson wasn't supposed to beat Georgetown, but they did. But looking back on it, I'm kind of glad they kind of destroyed Wisconsin. But, but yeah, um, I ran this through What If Sports. About nine times, and, you know, I wanted Fab Five to win, 
But they won like the first four times and then Wisconsin won the next five. So I'm about to give you the latest game in that, you know, in those simulations. So here we go. This is a neutral court. Tight first half. Michigan took the early lead. And then it was 40 to 38 at the half. Wisconsin controlled much of the second half. And Michigan goes scoreless in the final four and a half minutes, like the Washington Wizards in Cleveland. Damn! This causes Wisconsin to run away with the game 79-66. This is too much three-point shooting from Wisconsin, which I wasn't expecting from them. But then again, they didn't really shoot threes in the 90s. I mean, I think Michigan... They went one from from 13 from three. Wisconsin went eight for 16. I mean, that's the difference in the game right there. Jalen Rose, nine, five, and five, three for nine shooting. Chris Weber, 14 points, 11 rebounds. Jawan Howard, 12 points, eight rebounds. Ray Jackson had 19. He was one of the lesser known people in the um, Fab Five. Uh, Jason Bohannon had 19, 4 for 4 from 3 off the bench. Trayvon Hughes had 17, and Joe Krabinoff was 1 for 6, 3 points. You know, it's kind of like the fight. He had a small role in it. <laughs> he had a small role, but ended up winning the battle overall. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, the, this round goes to Joe Krabinoff's team. They won... And they won the hypothetical game of the episode. And you already know that's the end of the episode. But I'm not out. I got to tell you that go to GoatLevelTees.com for all things Goat Level. But now I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.